It is. It has been too long. <laughs> I know it's been two weeks. Two weeks. A lot has happened in two weeks, and it's funny because, like, the episode that is literally airing right now, or maybe just wrapping up airing right now, uh, was, like, over a month ago that we recorded it, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, man, so much has changed in, the in like, a single 28-day month. <laughs> Dude, February being 28 days is insane. It just happens, and it's just over and then you're like i guess it's march now i mean it would be one thing if every month was 28 days like that would make sense seven days a week four weeks a month like <laughs> let's let's standardize the shit but it's not yeah and i'm just like this is stupid mm-hmm. <laughs> this is stupid what a dumb month <laughs> yeah yeah i feel the same man it's just magically over and you're like okay i guess that happened so yeah yeah so how you doing, man? It's it has been. We uh for those listening, we were recording every week and we had a tremendous backlog and then we got busy and then I was on vacation and now we're kind of current again. Kind of. Yeah. Current current enough anyways. Probably as current as we'll ever be. <laughs> yeah, we're always way ahead on recording, but right now we're not. We're just kind of where we need to be to put out episodes. Well, we we did an episode. We did an episode oh, called yeah. Failing Gracefully. And I I decided that that it, it turned into what I felt was just me having like a live action therapy session and just kind of being like, uh, it just was like, it didn't help anyone. And I listened to it and I was like, I, I couldn't even get all the way through. I was like, nah, this is not right. And, uh, and since then some stuff has changed and I was just like, you know, we need to start all over. If we're if we're going to tackle that one, it actually we need to be more upbeat about it. Otherwise, it's just a the failing gracefully is an easy downer episode. And I don't really want to do that. At least not right now. You know, let's let's get a ways out there before we bring everybody down. Yeah, I. It's like for it'll it'll just be known as the last episode. And also, we recorded it crazy early even for me like i'm kind of a morning person but i think we started recording that episode before 6 a.m my time like i think we were recording at like 5 30 or 5 45 it was really early even for me and i was like yeah let's not do that like right now it's still early but at least i've had three cups of tea in me right now yeah we were ready to do this we were in the zombie state during that episode we were just (laughs) zombie early morning ranting about stuff and like some of it was really good and some of it was like why have we been talking about this for 15 minutes (laughs) (laughs) well it was i remember looking at the clock while we're recording it and being like "Fuck, we have only talked for 45 minutes and i don't know if i can keep on going and then like and then it just went downhill and then it was just like too personal, too weird. I started calling dames, you know, throwing elbows. It was just like like grumpy Heath, just like through going through a mosh pit. It was, it was, it was not my most graceful moment. So we'll tackle it when we're more awake. Yeah, it's the last. Maybe episode. maybe have some notes, or maybe combine it with something else. I mean, I've got a couple episodes that I can't I can't say would be great single episodes, but would be maybe good combined topics yeah. um, and none of them are super fun, unfortunately, you know, like there's just, there's too much about the content creation space uh, that, you know, like we can be positive and we can get, you know, try to motivate people, but there's like too much actual real life bullshit that gets in the way. 
Yeah. And, uh, and not a lot of people talk about that. And it requires a, a delicate hand, but a firm hand at the same time. Like it, it needs to be done, I think, for the right reasons instead of just me reacting and, you know, <laughs> like, uh, and us trying to fill a two hour time slot, you know, like, you know, and, and maybe we do an hour long episode. Who knows? Maybe that's the thing. Who knows? <laughs> it's possible. I mean, we, we actually talked about that. I think in the early, the early conceptualization of the shows, there was a lot of discussion about how long the episode should be and if we can make the episodes an hour long. So it's digestible. And then we've kind of just been doing the two hour episodes. So it's possible. I, I like two hour episodes personally. I, I listen. That's the type of podcast I listen to. It's not that I won't give a, an hour long podcast a chance, but, uh, you know, like it always felt like in like WTF or something like that, like Mark Marin would just be getting into the shit when he would be like, okay, well, we're done. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> you know, like, so one of my favorite singers, uh, died this week. Uh, Mark Lanigan, he was the uh, lead singer from the Screaming Trees in the 90s. Uh, a lot, you know, kind of one of those like musicians bands, like everybody who was a musician in the Northwest scene really respected the Screaming Trees, but they never hit the like fame that they should have. And like, you know, Screaming Trees were like super important because like Josh Homme after Caius broke up was in Screaming Trees as their second guitar player. Like, um, you know, Joshua Hami is Queens of the Stone Age, went on to do, you know, like all sorts of really big, important musical movements, um, of which Mark Lanigan was a backup singer in uh, Queens of the Stone Age and a songwriter. So like mm. songs like Hanging Tree on Songs for the Deaf, uh, that opening track on Lullabies to Paralyze with that like dark, you know, really gritty voice that everybody likes to say sounds like Tom Waits, but... <laughs> It's not Tom Waits. He's like Tom Waits is more of like a cartoon character singing. Mark Lanigan's like a glass of whiskey and a, like a cigarette that's about ready to go out. You know, like he's it's he's really heavy and really depressing. Um, and when he man, when he died this week, I was like, I was fucking I was messed up. Like it, it was great going back to listen to his catalog, even though I don't love all of it. But uh, I. uh Man, I'm going to miss him, and I'm so sorry that I never got a chance to see him. But even his WTF interview, uh, you know, like, they, it was like 45 minutes long because he didn't want to talk. And right as they were getting to the point where Mark Lanigan was opening up, like, <laughs> Mark Marin shut it down. And I was like, oh, that's so sad. It's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know more about this guy now. Like, yeah. this is such a tragic artist. Yeah, it's very interesting trying to like figure out, you know, the perfect length podcast, because I don't think there's like an answer. Like, I guess it depends on the topic and the hosts and there's so many factors, but maybe well, what we did find out is there was a perfect length of you uh, Instagram reel to like hit a whole new audience. Like <laughs> tur turns out that like 55 seconds. Bingo. Bingo, bingo, bongo. Yeah, actually, let's see how that reel did. I need to make more reels. I think I do enjoy the real aspect of podcasting. I think that there's something special to it because I, I, I mean, we talked a little bit about the episode that's out today. Um, we talked a little bit on there, 
but I like short form content. And I think the short form mixed with podcasting is very interesting because you just pull clips out of a full length and make them into short form content. You just have to edit it cleverly. And um, I think there's a lot of potential there. I think that's something that we could keep looking into. And I just have to keep kind of combing our episodes and making notes and cutting little clips out and editing them up and everything. But it's, it's actually fun, man. It's a fun way to like keep you know, short initial burst interest in a, in a larger picture. And I think that that's yeah, for sure. That feels like there's a combination of stuff to that, you know? Well, I like how like you had it. So like would change cameras, depending on who was talking, like you did a great job with it. And like, I'm glad that you get into that because like, I mentally, my brain is just like, <laughs> I don't I just, I don't, I don't got it in me right now to do that. In fact, like I'm actually nervous that there was a bathroom break in the middle of this last episode <laughs> that I just left in. And I don't know, like it might have been the one before that, like the one that we will never air. Like I, there, one of these, there's a bathroom break that. I I just haven't found yet. <laughs> it's the last episode. It's the last one. Okay. It's the last okay, episode. The last episode I think is cursed. I think that it was <laughs> <laughs> There's just there is an episode of this podcast that only me and you know exists. Well, other people now know, but only me and you've heard it. But there's a last episode and it it was partially cursed. I think that there is something to that. Yeah. 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 I think it was I'm at that the one. point now where like I could probably mentally wrap my head around, you know, a, a cursed episode and <laughs> fixing a cursed episode. Um, I've been like, yeah, I've just had like a real roller coaster of a week, like not to like totally like take over and run with this, but like, <laughs> uh, you know, with all this stuff outside the podcast and the bullshit happening online to like me trying to like not really interact with it like mentally i'm not built to just sit and be quiet like i want yeah. to say things i want to be out there and that's like a really bad place to be in content creation and it's something that like nobody wants to listen to somebody start a fucking fight online because as as much as we would love it our fans actually don't give a shit <laughs> like there is nobody's picking sides and like that's one thing that like if i if out of all the stuff that I could come out of failing gracefully in, uh, in, uh, to sum it up, uh, chill the fuck out, <laughs> adjust your emotions. Nobody gives a fuck. Like nobody cares. Like it, and you could have a very, very public total, everything falls apart. And like 99% of your fans who love you and want you to be doing stuff didn't even see it happen. They're just like thrilled that you're still around. So like every day is a new day embrace it fucking run at it fail gracefully it's awesome that's that's this uh, how i'm going to sum up the last episode no like nobody cares don't worry about it move on fix yourself get ready it's all good <laughs> yeah it could have been a 15 minute episode and we turned it into a <laughs> we turned it into a two hour sleep deprived coffee rant just not enough sleep way too much caffeine talking for way too long I, it'd yeah, be interesting yeah. to comb that episode and see if there's like any good any good short form clips we could pull out or even bloopers or whatever because it was like it was different it was definitely an experiment <laughs> like there was like a disclaimer at the beginning that we're like we're both really tired and then there was a disclaimer yeah, at the people. end and we're like we're both still really tired <laughs> it was yeah. quite the episode so the last episode it exists yeah so you you've had uh, a hell of a, a a week and and a half or two weeks like you you disappeared to another country for a little bit and I am so 
fucking envious. Please, please, please enlighten me with your wonderful son stories and everything. Because we haven't talked about it since you've been back. It's just been so crazy. Like, I I have no idea how your trip went. So, um, yeah. Okay. So I didn't, well, I did disappear to another country, but not in a sense that I was fleeing. I wasn't like evading the law or anything like that. I went on, (laughs) I went on vacation. (laughs) <laughs> so um we went to one of my wife's uh good friends was getting married in mexico so we went to that um it was in cancun at a very nice resort um but i will say it, it was a ton of white people problems i had a lot of white oh, no. people. Uh, it was white people problems left and right so i would say i would sum up my whole week with it was white people problems um but oh, it was no. <laughs> but it was fun i mean and that's like you know, it's fun to travel with my wife. Like she loves to travel. That's her passion. That's like her favorite thing to do. I hate to travel because I am allergic to every food. And so traveling Uh, for me is a nightmare. So, um, and it was, I would say traveling with celiacs is interesting because sometimes it goes great and sometimes it doesn't. And this was a trip where it didn't really go great, which was kind of a bummer. Um, but it was like, so we stayed at this really nice resort, right? So we check in and we had booked a king with an ocean view, sick room. We get there and they're like, hey, we have a room for you. It just doesn't have a king bed. And it's like, I should have known then, man. I should have known five minutes into the trip. I should have been like, what the fuck is about to happen at this resort? Um, yeah. And the thing about having a king bed is it doesn't really matter unless you are six foot two or taller because a queen bed, your feet just hang off of, you're just too tall. And so anyways, so are you six foot two? Are you tall? Yeah, I'm tall. Oh shit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I only see you sitting down and every once in a while I get like a a glimpse of your gams and your short shorts. Like, (laughs) but it's it's hard to to tell whether or not you're tall or not. (laughs) See, watch here. Watch. See, are you ready to see how tall? Ah, yeah, that's tall. That, that's a midsection. I like that. So, it's great podcast content, you know. Like the listeners are like, "What did he just do?" I was like, "It was a helicopter. He came at me with a helicopter." So, um, okay, so yeah, so we get there, and it's good. Every, I mean, it's a beautiful resort. I mean, we got to chill in cabanas on the beach. You know, it was really cool. But then, like two days before the end of it started having food problems. You know, I eat and it's like, uh, this is not gluten free as advertised. And like, they don't understand food allergies at this resort to put it very bluntly, like just straight up dreams resort in Mexico. You don't know anything about food allergies. They have dishes labeled as vegan that have cheese in it. And it's like, that's what are you doing? I was like, you keep, that's not, what is this? Like, why even spend the time to list food allergens if you're just completely yeah, unaware of them? It. Yeah, it's like, yeah. this is a vegan salad with cheese. And you're like, nope, those two things don't exist on the same spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it's not vegan cheese. <laughs> this is something else. <laughs> yeah. So I had some white people problems there. Um, and then, uh, we went to Vail the next day. So we get home from Mexico, 80 degrees. So you go from hot to fucking cold, like bam, and bam, even for Colorado cold, like even for oh. Colorado, a very brutal oh. cold snap. So we went from 80 degrees to minus two the next day. 
and um, it was a big swing. And so we're in Vail, very cool little Airbnb, nice spot right next to a bus stop, literally most uncomfortable bed on the planet, more white people problems. And so it was just like, it, you know, it was actually, it was a fun week. It was, it's always fun to get out and travel with my wife. Um, I enjoy it quite a bit, um, despite some of my uncomfortabilities with traveling. It's, it's nice to have somebody who like pushes me out of my comfort zone, because if it was up to me, I would just never leave my house. I would order food. I would make my own groceries. Like, you know what I mean? Or I guess I would order yeah. groceries and make my own food. You know what I mean? And so then yeah, I no, would, I uh, that's it. That's all I would do. I would leave the house to go play space dolls with the boys on Tuesday nights. And that would probably be my life. And so thank God she's around to push me out of my comfort bubble. But yeah, it was good. It was, uh, it was a nice relaxing week off. I haven't had like a week off of work in months. So it's nice to actually be able to unwind and decompress a bit and spend some time away. So it was good. It was good. I'm back. I wasn't kidnapped. I didn't flee the government or the law. I went there willingly. Uh, you know, I, I love like the Riviera Maya as far as like a place, the fact that they have like Mayan, uh, uh, like ruins, like all over is amazing. And it's something that like, we forget about in this country that like we don't have shit and we like completely erase the indigenous people's culture off the planet. So it's like, we don't even have the like remnants of it because you know our like our plains uh, uh native americans lived very different lives very temporary lives as far as like structures and things go um and then you would have things like uh you know in cahokia which is just right across the the river from me and it you know cahokia is uh you know a native american word i'm sure we are probably you know, butchering it by, by, you know, like just don't know how to pronounce it. Right. But we have all these like huge burial mounds. There are just mounds. We're not exactly sure ex what they're totally for, but there was this huge fort there that the, uh, like, uh, indigenous people built like a whole trading route through there. It was a, it was a bustling city of like, I want to say they said like 1.4 million native Americans or something. It was Damn. huge. It's fucking gone. <laughs> it's gone. That like is crazy. we got rid of it. Cause we, we took over like that's that's what we did and so like we we conquered this land but in in conquering america we lost so much like rich amazing history and understanding of how to like you know safely like grow crops on the land like you know we think about the dust bowl and shit like that if we would have actually listened to the native americans that were here we probably never would have had issues with like ripping up all the sod and like complete and total drought like like we we would have had a very different 19 you know late 1800s early 1900s in this country but we're the fucking hubris is just like oh no this is ours now yeah. <laughs> this is ours and um it makes me really sad so i i love mexico i wish i i wish it was easier for for me to be there i wish i had like didn't sunburn as much <laughs> i wish i knew the language better so i could like get off the beaten path more because mm -hmm. i really want to explore but um you know i took japanese in high school because i'm a fucking idiot <laughs> you know <laughs> I, like i should have taken spanish uh because like you know we had a huge uh migrant population in oregon it would have done me great i should have done it but um you know my 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 passion is with uh you know uh eastern 
Eastern uh, cultures, or I guess Western, Western, far, far Western cultures of, you know, like, you know, Japanese, uh, you know, I think that they, uh, they have a fascinating history and I can't, I'll never not want to go there. Okay. Here's the tangent time. Tangent, tangent. Let's do it. Mayans. Did they disappear or did Martians take them back with them? I think the actual uh, theory is that we bred them out. Like, really? uh, when the, because what, what happened was like, I think the Aztecs were much more fuck you were going to fight. And I think the Mayans, because like, if I understand right, Aztec are more central, Mayans are more coastal and south. And so when, you know, uh, uh, fucking Columbus and, uh, you know, that like all, all of those early conquistadors hit, like the Mayans couldn't even, as far as like it's been written, the Mayans couldn't even understand what they were seeing. They might as well have been seeing aliens. And so really? like, yeah, like, because like, what is this fucking boat? What are these people in this armor? Like, it just like didn't translate to them. And we, we instantly, uh, went after their religion and so we converted them all to Catholicism. Mm. So we burnt down all of their churches. We got rid of all of their written writing to fucking gone. We wrote like they had books. They had a, a huge, vast library of knowledge that, uh, you know, the, um, during the conquistadors, they just erased them because they, y- you needed to, uh, matriculate to their society or you needed to, uh, <laughs> you know, like be dead. And there, and there's a, uh, thought process on the Mayans that like, there used to be big forests all across South America and to make all the concrete, because that was like kind of the thing that they did that nobody else was doing. It's like, if you go to like Chichen Itza and stuff like that, you can see like their ruins that they had like smooth concrete everywhere. Like they made the, but that they like burnt down their entire forest. And, you know, I think like uh, a couple years of drought and famine hit and it killed off a lot of them. So by the time, the um the conquistadors showed up uh from spain like that was it like fucking game over so like the the history is one of those that like yeah we could totally romance aliens but i think that the actual yeah actual story is so much more sad and intense yeah not always seems to be the case it's just like yeah somebody came up from europe and fucked everything up the um i don't know tons about them i just remember like um, I used to watch a lot of ancient aliens in college. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> and uh, back when that show was in the heyday, and people were like, "Holy shit!" Like when that show was like eye-opening content. Um, and there was a lot. I mean, of, it's it's still got a lot of really valid points about yeah. how the fuck did they do this stuff without any modern science? Like, it's pretty brilliant. Yeah, but there was a lot. I don't know if it's totally aliens. <laughs> there was a lot of like segments about the Mayans and weird little like, oh yeah, and this one small minor detail about you know the Mayans and and their math and they knew all this stuff about the stars and it's like, what are you talking about? That's a huge detail. Like they knew all sorts of crazy shit and yeah, there's like nothing left. It's insane. When you have nothing to do, but like live and look at the sky and like, <laughs> right. Like they, they were, they, I, they were not 
the brutal savages that everybody right. likes to think of even though they had some really barbaric practices you know like they're they did have some human sacrifice stuff i believe that was the mayans um that you know everybody's just like oh that's horrible like it was tied into their religion and culture it was yeah. like an extreme honor to be a part of it so yeah it's not like it's it's brutal to like Western society, but for them, it's it's not like Temple of Doom. It's something that was like you know actually um, you know important to their culture, and you know and so like if you look at like Chichen Itza from a certain angle, like at certain parts of the uh, like solar eclipse or angles of like the year, like just the like ridges going up to the the pyramid, the ziggurat. Uh, when the sun hits it and it casts a shadow, it's a snake, like what? straight up. Like they did all sorts of weird shit like that, where you're like, how did they know? And it's just because they like had time. That you know, same with like the the druids uh, in uh, the Anglo, you know, uh, European. Um, history they had time to think about it and to look at it and to actually ask questions and they were unafraid of you know like they could marry religion and science where you know catholicism could not you know like it this this book is is it and so we've lost so much actual cool history and knowledge because you know reasons <laughs> yeah uh, i i definitely want to know more we should do an ancient aliens episode I would love to. Where we I would just, love to. Where we just both independently gather ancient alien facts and see if we can blow each other's mind. That's the goal. Whoever I, gets whoever Pog Champ faces the most loses. My my dad is uh you know, he got really into ancient aliens and he called me up one day and because like I'm I'm an atheist. I don't believe in an afterlife. I don't like I don't love the idea of a, a deity that knew everything that was going to happen and yet let all the bad happen anyway i just find that to be rather insulting you know like you know just search for the meaning in life you know like yeah like that sucks that's a shitty that's a shitty uh idea and i, I reject that um and he was like did you know that there are symbols that hop pop up in all these uh petroglyphs and hieroglyphs that are of what people think are aliens all you know all across like a certain like uh, latitude line even in like small islands that nobody had w gone to um and they think that and they that like they talk about like this burning star in the sky and uh and and so like i guess all like the christian scientists or something think that 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 alien was actually angels and if you watch uh the new show midnight mass on netflix uh, which is about uh, a vampire coming to a really tiny like coastal island off of like the coast of New York. It's fucking great. Um, they kind of deal with that same sort of thing because like um, you know the the priest thinks that it's an angel because everybody like in the Bible they talk about like uh, you know anytime somebody saw a, an angel for the first time they were afraid they were terrified. And so when he saw this fucking vampire, this Nosferatu, he was like, oh, my God, this is an angel because I am scared shitless. And like nothing like this exists on Earth. And God gave us the Earth and it's fine. Turns out it's a vampire and they all go bloodlust crazy. Great time. Really fun show. <laughs> like it starts off slow, but the end payoff totally worth it. Worth it. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Man, dude, I love our pre-just absolute rants about random shit before we even get anywhere even remotely near the topic. Uh, so anyways, long story short, I'm good, man. It's been a crazy couple weeks. How are you? Uh, I'm doing much better. Uh, you know, I've kind of come out of my funk. I'm feeling more motivated and like mentally clear than I have in a while. Um, I still don't know if I have my job. I've now had three interviews. And they haven't told me no. So I'm like at this point where I'm like, they would have at least told me no. <laughs> and uh, and so I'm I'm still very optimistic that I'm getting the job. But, um, you know, I'm starting to get offers from other people. Well, none of them are as good as this one. I'm also in the zone of like, you know, like. I could be doing other things <laughs> instead of waiting sure. for this one. Yeah. So it's, it's starting, that's starting to uh, fuck with me a little bit. But, um, so like, as you can see, I'm wearing my WGU hoodie right now for any of you, uh, audio listeners, I'm wearing one of those, uh, hoodies. It's this, the big blanket hoodies. Um, it's, uh, it's amazing and I love it. It's comfortable. And I've wore basically nothing but this for like the last two weeks of my life, um, because it's been cold and it's like great to like stay nice and warm. Although we're having a beautiful week this week. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this, uh, this Monday I went to, um, uh, WGU event, uh, where like the president of the school was there and he was in town meeting with a bunch of different uh, corporations. So they did a big meet and greet for the students here of which like they didn't do a great job advertising. So there wasn't a lot of students, but there was a shitload of politicians and like lobbyists <laughs> and okay. like people who worked there. And so Mal and I went and like, like rubbed elbows with a bunch of like the administration of the school. And it, it was really interesting, really cool. Got a bunch of really great stats that I didn't know. It's the right, right now currently the biggest school in the United States. Uh, it's got 126,000 people enrolled at the moment. Damn. It's huge. That's bigger and than they're like, like cities. That's like multiple cities just showing up yeah. to school together. And it's because they don't have a campus, you know, so everything's yeah. online. Um, but they uh, they graduate more people than like state schools. They like the state average is forty percent of the people who go to college graduate from college, Damn. which is just like sad. You know, just think yeah. you've got that far in debt and you didn't even get a fucking degree to show for it. Like it's it's awful. And so they were talking about that and they're like hinting to things and you know. So like Mal and I were just having all this fun. Like we really got into it with a lobbyist talking about Google and YouTube and the fucking proliferation of information and you know like it's awesome having real adult conversations with somebody who isn't your wife <laughs> like it fucking feels great it was yeah. energizing we both left like totally charged the next day they announced the wgu had partnered with uh mcdonald's and amazon uh to it like anybody going to this the working there can get free education through wgu and i was just like that is huge, huge. And you're like free free or are greatly discounted so i think yeah. that, like, some of the the things like nursing is a little bit more uh expensive computer programming has a bunch of like really expensive cert certifications that you have to get into so i think those probably cost a little bit more the master's program probably costs a little bit more but like, you know, you can be a $15 an hour minimum waged employee in those companies and get free college. And I was just like, that 
is massive. Yeah. And it's, it's so good to think that this school is like, we need to educate our masses. You guys need to support your employees. Let's partner together and do this. And I'm just like, it's fucking great. I love it. I love the fact that like, um, you know, it, it, it comes from like a sad need, but to see companies actually stepping up to the plate and like the school going after it too. Cause you know, like state schools aren't going to do that shit. They aren't actively <laughs> looking to like, like that they're, they're like, we have like a cap of what we want, you know, of what we can handle. And WGU doesn't have that cap. They have yeah. nothing up. Like it's since it's, they have no campus they can just fill it up. And so, um, I'm, I thought that that was really cool. And it left me like just amped about life. Like, like, yeah, it's not the ideal situation, but like, I love when, you know, the underdog gets a chance <laughs> and that's what it feels like. The underdog got a chance and I love it. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, that's just capitalism economics one-on-one right like schools physical institutions can only house so many people so it like reduces the amount of supply whereas like the population of the world increases so demand is increasing but supply is capped at these places so prices skyrocket and the product doesn't change at all and yeah. versus like a, a company that's focused on like virtual base like it they have no cap and so they're able to produce a product and give education that's based on quality instead of just being forced into like a hole and being like, well, we have this amount of resources available and this amount of seats available. And because yeah. price goes up for those seats, it like doesn't necessarily translate to a, like a quality increase. Right. So it's right, super interesting. Exactly. That's I mean, cool. For, a regular degree through there per year, you're at less than eight thousand uh, dollars a month. So, like a business degree is less than eight grand uh, a a year. Um, where like the average regular school is like ten grand per semester per yeah. term. And so, like it, you know, it's it's more more than half as inexpensive. Like that's amazing to be able to be like even like at on my own like i'm paying for school out of my own pocket and that's something while i can't do it for forever without a job like i part of the reason why i need this job um it's something that uh you know i never would have been able to even remotely consider in a regular school so like i don't know man like shit like that gets me amped it, like it made me feel like Oh, hell yeah. Like I'm part of something bigger and better. Um, cause you know, sometimes it's hard to stay focused and motivated on school, especially like me right now, not having like a schedule, like it, I am sometimes in just absolute emotional weeds. <laughs> and so like going to that was really good. Uh, I taught, met with one of the marketing people there. She wants to go come on her podcast. And like, I think that that would be really interesting talking to somebody who's actively trying to develop uh, new things to get people's attention, especially in a podcast like ours. I think that, um, you know, we can have a lot of fun. She's just like a fucking riot, like totally. Um, she'll, she'll tell you when something's really wrong for better or for worse. And I loved it. <laughs> I love listening to her talk. So, uh, we got, we got to get her on. We got to start figuring out that aspect of the podcast one of these days. Yeah. 
Okay, so quick story time about marketing. Yeah. So my gaming club meets on Tuesday nights. Usually afterwards, we go to the bar for a drink or two, and we hang out there for this last Tuesday way too long. We were at the bar for like three hours. So I got <laughs> I got home at like midnight. Um, so we're sitting there wrapping up, and I hang out with some dudes who are just a riot. Like these guys are some of the funniest guys I've ever met. And it's so fun to just sit there because it's not even really like we're drinking. I think we, I think I sat at this bar for like three hours and had two drinks the whole time, just sitting wow. there, just chilling, talking. talking. And so it's Fat Tuesday. Everyone is hand boned there. And this guy walks up to our table, this very, very drunk guy, very drunk guy. And we're sitting there, we're talking. And he walks up and we all just stop and look at him. And he reaches into his pocket and we're like, oh shit, where is oh, this going? <laughs> <laughs> and he pulls out a whole bunch of like cardboard cards, like little business cards and starts passing them around the table. And he goes, I am a marketing genius. And then we go, we're just staring at him. And then we've now had these cards distributed around the table and we look at them and literally it just says, yay meat with a QR code. And I am thinking this is either a meat website or I'm about to see a dick. And yeah, of course. <laughs> so we scan it and it was an actual meat website, but um, this guy's thing, he was just like, Oh yeah. And he's like, this is drunk old boomer. Who's like, I'm a genius because I use QR codes and I make ambiguous stuff that makes people curious. And he's like, I put a QR code on the side of my truck and people just walk up to it while I'm sitting at a stoplight and scan it. And just instantly they're on my website. And I'm like, that is bizarre. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what is this? 2008? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's all about it. I, we heard his sales pitch for a while. Next thing I knew he just left the table. He was just in the middle of a story and he just left the bar, just stood up and left. <laughs> and so that was the yay meat guy. But yeah. Awesome. It would be hilarious to get him at a table with the marketing person from your college and just watch them go out and he'd be like, QR codes of the future. <laughs> and in some ways, it would be so funny. Yeah, in some ways I think that they are. They're actually an incredible resource. But like this guy was way too into it. He's like, I am literally a genius at marketing because of QR codes. It's like, okay, dude. <laughs> I mean, like, I think that like gorilla QR coding stuff is really funny, but like there's been so many things, you know, back in the day that would take you to like, uh, you know, websites that were like predatory and stuff. So like, I am always very skeptical to scan a QR code unless I know where it's from. Like, like I just got this, uh, uh, do you, do you know who Chris Ramsey is? That sounds so familiar. He's a magician who solves okay. puzzles on okay. YouTube. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's got, I think now over a million followers and stuff. He just, uh, did a, uh, escape room in a box it was like 40 bucks and so like he's like i bought it and it comes with like his like custom deck of cards that you can only get in the escape room and then like some tools to solve this digital escape room of which you scan a qr code and you go at it and i was just like okay this is cool like uh, and eventually i'll solve it but like i'm more just like I, I like supporting somebody who's doing something very weird, but like, that's the only time I'm like, Oh yeah. A QR code <laughs> there. I got it. <laughs> so if a, if a drunk guy walks up to you at a bar and hands you a business card that just says, yay meet with the QR code, do you scan it? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, yes. <laughs> Mainly because I'm hoping it's a dick. <laughs> I think that's what everybody's kind of secretly hoping for is like, and then that way you can be like, ah, come ah, on. You man. got me. Ah, you got on. me. Ah, he, yeah. With the cat brains. Yeah. Oh, no. So yeah, we all scanned it too. So maybe he actually is a genius at marketing. I don't know. <laughs> well, if he got sales out of showing you his meat, <laughs> we didn't yeah, order any meat. We didn't order any. It's a bizarre website, man. It's very like one of the one of the packages of meat is a thousand dollars, but it's it's so much meat that it comes with a free meat freezer. He delivers a meat oh. freezer to you full of meat, and I'm like, what fucking planet do you live on? Where you're like, this guy has the exact product I need. I've been looking for meat to be delivered in a freezer, ready to rumble, dude. I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. I have bought meat from people driving around with, like, coolers in the back of their truck, and they're selling steaks for, like, you know, $6 a steak. And they're like, my yeah. freezer broke, so, like, we got to get rid of all these steaks. And I'm like, bring them in here. Like, I have most certainly done that. And I've never got food poisoning. I don't think that they've always been, like, the highest quality <laughs> food. But, like, also, I'm not a big meat guy, and so, like... Every once in a while, if I can get it uh, like cheap, I'll do it. You know, but like, why spend a lot of money on a piece of meat that I'm accidentally going to overcook and I'm going to be pretty disappointed? And you know, like, I might as well like get like shitty meat and you know, not feel bad about the loss of like quality there. Well, this guy's meat comes with a freezer. You buy so much meat that he brings you the freezer. Also, just leaves it with you. He's like, "This is so much meat that you now have to own this freezer to keep track of it." (laughs) You know, at that point, he probably sets you up with like uh, like a monthly like restock program too. So he'll come in and like fill that freezer back up. Like, it's a good. I mean, like that. One of my friends does that here with like a local place called Max, and he um, he like totally gets loaded up with like and he spends like 160 bucks a month on meat and like they they eat it up and they love it and i'm like i would rather have salads thank you <laughs> i'm i'm, I'm, I'm yeah. already too too fat and can't poop on the way i want to to just only eat meat all the time <laughs> oh that is relatable uh if you're watching if you <laughs> If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, you should comment below if you would have scanned the yay meat QR code or not. Let us know. <laughs> I think it's basically a unanimous yes across the board. So maybe yeah. we, maybe I actually did meet the best marketing guy on the planet on Fat Tuesday this year. I don't know. Only time will tell. Uh, you know, us talking about it, he's going to get customers all over the United States. And he's just like, shit, how am I going to get yay meat to Vermont? <laughs> Oh, Just put man. it in one of these like two day <laughs> things and hope it doesn't thaw out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So what what are we talking about today? Like I, I guess we gotta like get, meat, get this thing meat. back on two the hours of meat. <laughs> two hours <laughs> of meat. Uh, actually, I do. I have a pretty good story of the first time I had good meat outside <laughs> of like. Uh, like, like, let's keep this train off off the tracks. So, like, I grew up in kind of like an agrarian family. We didn't eat out a lot. We didn't have a whole lot of money. Uh, my parents uh, take huge offense to me saying that we were poor because, um, you know, they worked really hard. They they sure. and and like to say that they're poor, um, you know, makes them feel like I didn't. Uh, uh, respect the amount of effort that went into raising two boys and, uh, and a husband, you know, like my mom gets really pissed off about that. Um, 
So she prefers the term frugal. And frugal, I think, actually is pretty good for for what it was and what we did. Um, and so I didn't eat out a whole lot. I like we would get like a kid's meal every once in a while, especially if they had cool toys or something. But like it was we cooked food all the time and the food that we ate was really good because it was like deer meat that my dad hunted and so like i didn't actually grow up with like beef i grew up with venison and so like Mm -hmm. you know when people are like use ground beef in this i'm like how come this tastes not as good (laughs) like oh you're used to venison and so like you know, I would do things like we, we'd make like pizzas and I would use venison on pizza and stuff. And people are like, what the fuck is up with your like pizza? I'm like, it's good. Right. And they're like, I don't know if it is it's like, cause like they're ready for sausage or like ground hamburger and it's fucking venison. Um, but I liked it. It was the, what I grew up with. Um, so I had this girlfriend after high school and she was uh, almost 20 years older than me. And, uh, it was awesome. Like it it really, I I didn't know she was my girlfriend until after we broke up and I was like, Oh man, I was in a relationship with a woman who was 20 years my senior. Um, and, and I just was too young to like really respect that relationship, but she taught me how to eat food, like actual food. Like I didn't know what a tomato tastes like until I had like, she was like, this is what an actual fucking tomato tastes like. I'm like, Holy shit, this is amazing. So one day after work, um, you know, she sent a text and she's like, come and I I have something that I want to show you. Come to the restaurant that I work at, Um, you know, bring bring your appetite. And it's like, it's okay if Ian comes with me. You know, like she's trying to like impress me. I'm like, can I bring the drummer in my band? And and she loved (laughs) us. So it was like, fine. But like, I was totally fucking oblivious. And I show up to this like really nice tapas restaurant. They had these like, uh prime cut fillets that like it was the first time i'd ever had a medium steak and it was the first time i'd ever had like a fillet like it was like i I remember looking at it and being like i've never had meat that looks like this and i remember cutting into it and i was like oh my god i've never had meat that's this red i was like it's like nicole is this supposed to be and she's like don't worry i told the chef to make it what was best and so i remember taking that first bite and it was on uh asparagus and mashed potatoes and it was like this beautiful bowl remember that first bite of real meat the real filet and it like melted in my mouth and like i almost cried and i looked over at ian and i was just like dude is this as good as i think it is and the look on his face was just like holy shit i've never had food like this before we were drinking like newcastles and so like we got like of course, drunk at Thomas Bar, <laughs> eating uh, eating this like probably thirty dollar steak or something, and she wouldn't let us pay. And I remember just being like, you know, getting in my car and driving home and feeling really guilty that I just ate that amazing meal for free, but knowing that from that point on, like shitty steak, shitty meat. Like, I just, like, I couldn't do it anymore. And, like, mm-hmm. from there, I'm just, like, you know, so, like, when I see people order, like, the steak at Applebee's, like, a New York strip at Applebee's, I'm, like, do you fucking like yourself? <laughs> yeah, do you have any respect? What are you doing? <laughs> right, right. You know why you're uh, here. And, and it totally fucked me up, man. It was, uh, it was one of those things that, uh, you know, when you have those moments of, like, good food and you actually get to, like, experience something like that. 
like it changes yeah you're you're a different person afterwards i agree and like yeah you just go to applebee's to just get drunk there that's the other reason you go to applebee's get the mudslides man (laughs) just do it it's like chilies (laughs) nobody i've never seen anybody eat at chilies but you go there for the two for one drinks and the bottomless chips and salsa yeah, yeah. You get a quesadilla once you've got a couple beers in you. You know that's how <laughs> I you guess do that's it. That's true. Somehow food <laughs> ends up on your table, and you're not quite sure where that transaction took place. <laughs> yeah, this is some really sly fucking server. It's just like, oh, I know you. You look hungry. Yeah. I'm gonna bring one of these over. Yeah. I'll ring you up for it. Don't worry, I got you. <laughs> they just heard you mumbling the baby back rib song, and they just show up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was a baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. <laughs> oh my God. You're right. And that's how it happens. And and then you're stuck there for another yeah. like four hours. And, and you're yeah. like, where did my afternoon go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you've ever actually intentionally ordered food from Chili's, let us know. Or else, you know, we're just going to assume it just accidentally showed up on your table. <laughs> <laughs> I, I most certainly remember ordering food there when I was younger. I haven't eaten at a place like that in so long. In so long. I just like there's so many better places and I would like I'd rather take a risk on a new restaurant that I don't understand than eat at something like that. You know, I'd ra- like I'd rather almost not eat, especially in a town like St. Louis. There's so much good food here. You're just like like, why would you even do that to yourself? We used to have a Chili's in the parking lot at one of the targets that I was a manager at. And we'd all get done with our shifts at somewhere between like five and six. Sure. And especially on like Mondays and Fridays when we were all there. And by five or six, we'd been working for either 10 or 11 hours at that point. And we were over it. So we would go to Chili's and it would be like our check would be like two hundred dollars of margaritas and one order of chips (laughs) and it was like you know two for one margaritas for 10 people for like four hours straight and it's like we all just ate the bottomless chips like at least like you know sixty dollars of chips and it's like yeah here's the three dollar charge for chips hope you guys had fun I mean, it's a good thing that that's where they make all their money off of is the drinks. You know, that's that truly their profit center is that. So, like, you were doing that uh, restaurant good things. I'm Mm -hmm. sure after that group of people were broken up, uh, that Chili's probably plummeted. You know, they were just like, (laughs) where? That was their best way to start the week off. Where did all all those State Farm people go? Oh, oh my god, man. Okay, so this episode is not just about meat. It's about meeting your new hobby. <laughs> it's about starting oh. something new. Oh, dude, that was so wholesome. I'm so glad you did that. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> oh my god. It's just meat puns for days, the rest of the episode. I mean, that there's got to be like at least like three more that we can come up with. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. <laughs> yeah. If we um, if we finish it just right, it'll be a job well done. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it will be a steak well done. <laughs> no, not <laughs> trying too hard. Uh, sauce. How do you look at hobbies and getting into new hobbies i actually don't know your process on this like we talked uh in like i mean this is kind of like the deep end part two yeah and we talked about (laughs) being in the deep end but like 
how do you get interested in something new? What 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 is your life like that leads you down the hole of painting minis or like playing golf or the things that have been like how did you end up in the, those positions? It's like conceptually, how do I decide to get into it or what do I do once I've decided to get into it? Conceptually, like before you have actually decided, because I think that that is like a real clear delineation line. Like I think that like being interested in something and then taking that step to actually be into it mm -hmm. is should be like pretty clear and defined mm -hmm. because they're like two different phases. Okay, so I am a complete sucker for YouTube, and I watch a lot of YouTube, and I would say pretty much most of my hobbies, uh, other than golf, have just fallen into my lap from YouTube, I would say. <laughs> and just the algorithm like, is like, yeah, we yeah. think he's going to be into this. Yeah, so I, I mean, that's how I got into Warhammer. Like, YouTube, I was just laying on my couch dying one day, and it was like, literally dying yeah not not figuratively you were literally sick yeah and on the couch yeah. yeah and youtube was just like hey are you interested in watching this warhammer 8th edition battle report and i was like holy shit yes i am <laughs> and that was pretty much it that was it no looking back from there but um i think i like the I think that I'm like easily sold on things by like the romance of marketing. Like if something looks interesting to me, then I'm down, but it has to like mark off a couple buckets, like for me to be interested. So it's like, I think it has to be something that I can like meet people at. That's important to me is like meeting people that are like-minded and it's something sure. that I can um, do. This is very, very specific while listening to music. Yeah, dude, that is pretty key for me as well. Like it either has to be music related or I have to be able to be listening to yeah. music because like um, my ears are so fucked up after years of working in machine shops and playing in loud bands and, you know, traveling with the circus, shooting guns like my ears are fucked <laughs> at this point. And so like some if you're doing something in silence like like i don't i don't understand people who love silence like i can't like, can't 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 even <laughs> can't, can't even get it. into it yeah and so i mean i think by that same thing also i think it also has to be something that can be a joy enjoyed alone or with others right and i think that you right. know golf and warhammer weirdly enough tick off all of the exact same check marks like I had a very long discussion with a therapist about this one time about how golf and Warhammer are practically the same hobby. And <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I would say that those are like, you know, the first things, but I don't know. I think I'm just kind of a sucker for like the romance of good marketing or just seeing somebody experiencing something brings it to the surface where I'm like, well, that's interesting. And then I think that if I can see how, if I could see myself doing that, then it begins the interest of wanting to get involved. But I think that sure. those are kind of the initial check marks is like, okay, sure. how does this work? And yeah. What, what was the last hobby that you got seduced by the, uh, the um, marketing of it? You know, when you saw that, you're like, oh, oh, I need to do this. And you like one where your wife walks into the room and is just like, 
are you the are you the same guy that like <laughs> oh my god i mean i mean the big one where she's like what the fuck man okay i still love you it was probably just like i was like hey i'm gonna get really deep into warhammer but i mean i think the most recent thing that i got into was like street photography that was like big for me like mid to late last summer when i got out of streaming i was like you know i need something like some sort of a media project that I can just dump time and effort and energy into. Cause I love the art of making content and media and stuff like that. Sure. And that to me, you know, I don't really see commercials for like, you know, like Canon, like I don't see a Canon camera commercial. First of all, ever. I don't think I've ever seen a Canon camera commercial, <laughs> but I can't imagine seeing that and being like, I want to do that for me. It was just seeing a YouTube. Like I bumped into this creator um, his name is Northern Borders and he's from Australia and now he lives in Germany or something like that. He fled Australia during COVID because he got so sick of the restrictions, which seems fair. I don't know enough about the COVID restrictions in Australia, but they seem, oh, it was bad. They seemed, yeah, really like over the top. Like I get, I'm very like pro the right restrictions at the right times for COVID, but yeah. Australia seemed a little much. And, and they went on for a long time. That yeah. was like the real, the real problem. Like I talked with a couple of people from Australia during the murder basement days. And it was like, they did it the way that everybody should have done it. But they also did it like three weeks too late. Like New Zealand did it right. Because like New Zealand never hit big waves. So they shut down for a couple of weeks and then they would come back. And then they shut down for a couple of weeks. Like this is like, a, like an accordion going in and out. Yeah. Like it, it was fluid. Uh, Australia was not. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it very much was not. <laughs> so yeah, so he picked up his shit and he moved to Germany at, in the peak of COVID. But uh, anyways, a very interesting content creator, very great street photographer, and his style of photography and like his color edits like really spoke to me because that was a lot of stuff that I kind of had been experimenting with, but didn't really know that I was. You know, like I didn't really know that that's the colored palette that I liked. And I was sure. like, man, this guy does a lot of stuff the way that if I was gonna do street photography, I would also do it that same way. And so his content really spoke to me. Um, and so I just went out and started shooting street. That was pretty much it. But it was, I think, just seeing something that I, I had kind of towed with, but then seeing somebody enjoying it and doing it, I was like, oh, hell yeah, I am sold. And so I'd say that's probably like just photography in general is kind of like my last big being exposed to it through media, specifically YouTube, and then just really wanted to get more invested in it. And like, you know, that, sure. that continues still. Like I have a photo shoot tonight at a nightclub and um, it's uh, something that I'm passionate about. I love to do it and it's really exciting and it's a, it's a good outlet for me. It's a creative outlet for me. And it- and You're it, very good at it too. Thanks, You've got man. a good eye. And it helps me like, you know, improve it, my other hobbies too. Like it's kind of like a universal, umbrella hobby that's just got a huge audience the photography audience and videography audience is massive so like as a content yeah. creator that's rewarding to know that my reach is huge through that kind of stuff but i don't know it just speaks a lot to me so i'd say that's probably the last thing that i was exposed to that i was like oh hell yeah i'm down to get into this sure sure yeah. what about you i uh i my last one and you know my wife just knows by now, like whenever I'm like doing anything online, 
you know, like she's just like terrified that I'm going to get into like the next thing. She's like, what? Oh God, what, what is he looking at now? And so like a couple weeks ago, I got into like watching people making like leather wallets and things and, you know, purses and satchels and just all sorts of like leather work stuff, which is really fascinating, you know, mm-hmm. um, just cause like it was something that I used to, used to like, that's how we found Trenton and Heath, which is just insane that they, like, I still watch their videos and just like, I fucking want like that. We need to like come at them like the Highlander <laughs> be only one. You <laughs> silver foxes get out of our way. <laughs> it's time to pass the torch. Um, and, uh, and that they recently just were featured on like a YouTube documentary thing for like leaving their corporate jobs and doing that. And then, you know, like, it's exciting to watch all that shit. Um, and she, my wife was just like, oh, fuck, he's going to get into leather working, which didn't happen. It was just something that was like really relaxing to have on in the background, you know, like these ASMR videos of people like doing leather working and not talking and building shit. And I'm just like, do school to that <laughs> to the sound of people like you know doing their craft doing their hobby and it was cool um and then uh uh we watched the show called uh only murders in the building have you seen this heard of this no it's a, it's on uh um hulu it's a hulu exclusive show okay. and it is uh, uh uh steve martin and martin short which are some of the funniest human beings alive period like they're so fucking funny and uh and selena gomez who i haven't ever been a selena gomez anything because she was just always too young for me you know she's just like this cute little young you know disney uh star that uh you know just i was like it, it was way under me and you know like so like i missed all of that stuff i missed all the like hannah montana's into the miley cyrus stuff i was aware of all these people but like i just was already too old at that point she is like kind of like a vapid character in the show but she is like the perfect person to put right next to those two because it grounds them and like the and as she gets into the show she, she shows more of her range i was like fuck i'm like really glad that i'm watching the show in the middle of the show Steve Martin is like a, a very accomplished musician. He plays banjo mainly. Like that's what he'll do during his comedy sets, which is always funny seeing him in a banjo because he's a, a hell of a player. But he pulls out a little fucking squeeze box concertina and is having this like, you know, duel back and forth with an oboist across the like their windows in their like courtyard. And so it's this big echoey sound. And he's like playing like take me out to the ball game and shit. And I'm watching this and I was like, oh shit, that's great. And like you could see like Mal just being like, oh, here we go. Like <laughs> he he just found it. Like it just and so like two days later she comes over to give me a kiss goodnight and i'm like looking at concertinas on my fucking phone she's like oh no (laughs) so i got like way into concertinas to the fact that like i'm going to buy one i like have decided that i want small folk style instruments because like all of my synthesizers are actually like really big but i want something that's kind of like a synthesizer in real life and so like my only choices are accordion or concertina or harmonica of which i 
don't like harmonica there's something about like the spit and like i don't know i get like really weird about woodwind stuff at this point um and i think it's just because like i had such gross tonsils growing up that like just like everything just kind of smelled and it kind of grossed me out and now like i have my tonsils removed so i probably don't have anything to worry about but still the like you know, you just see people and they're just like <coughs> smoking a cigarette and they're like, <laughs> and you're like, Ugh. like, I don't know. There's something about it. it grosses me out. Um, so I like, like borrowed a concertina from a buddy and it, like he, he had the same sort of thing like two years prior and he wanted a small little folk instrument and has been in like uh storage for a while and so like he let me borrow it and i'm like oh this is this this thing's cool it's way harder than you think and because i am an idiot asshole pretentious like guitar player forcing myself into places where i'm like things need to work this way instead of like learning the inf instrument for what it is i had to pick like the format of concertina that nobody has there's like two people making them in the entire world at this moment <laughs> And so it's just like, I, I had to pick the weirdest, most esoteric one possible. And finding that one, I was like, oh yeah, no, I could totally do this. And now like, I'm like learning like Tears for Fear songs on it. And so I'm like learning Mad World. I figured out like the initial run of the Castlevania song, Vampire Killer, which is the yeah. like, I, I, like, and I'm bad at it. Like, don't think that like, I'm instantly picking up and be like, I'm fucking great. Like, no, I, I suck real bad because I've only been playing it for, you know, 10 days now, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I'm realizing that like, as the more I watch the stuff online, the less they're doing what I want it to. Cause I, I hate folk standards. I hate, like just, it's so fucking boring and it's so, I'm so over it, but I really love when people do things with traditional instruments that are like outside the norm like uh like the punch brothers is like a really good example of like a bluegrass band that treats it like a string quartet and so like if you go and listen to songs like uh movement and location off of uh, uh how old are we now or something or familiarity off of the phosphorescent blues you're listening to songs that are just unbelievable and like this skill that goes into them and, and like, they don't sound like anything you've ever heard before. And, and I'm like that, that is what I want. Like I, I get so tired of music that sounds like everybody else. I get tired of all of my like hobbies being like everybody else. I'm, I'm looking for a true form of artistic expression and identity in these things and so when i see someone actually do it i just get so passionate about it i was like oh my god this is the best and so like right now i'm like currently i'm currently in it like i i love like i'm learning it i'm having fun i'm considering getting a mandolin just because it's also small and once you watch the punch brothers you'll understand why mandolin kind of makes sense like watch watch some punch brothers videos your your brain will melt you'll be like holy shit <laughs> i love that sorry that, that was a lot of words that i just threw at you all. <laughs> a lot of words no i feel like you always have some new interesting venture that's like i saw this shit on youtube are we both just like youtube people and that's where we just get sucked in uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to be, especially since like, 
the the YouTube algorithm is part of the reason why we are as fucked up as a nation as we are right now. Because like the second you start looking at one thing, it it totally gives you confirmation bias as like, oh, you looked at something that was a little bit more conservative. Well, let me show you these other things that these conservative people looked at. And pretty soon you're in like a Q fucking like uh, conspiracy theory hole. And like half of your family doesn't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> and that's something that like has happened. Like they have proven it. They have like, and, and, and I think that it's, uh, risky to follow an algorithm for your entertainment but that's what i do like truly all the time and so like i have to like work at breaking the algorithm to show me new stuff because otherwise it's it, like oh you're into renewables this week let me show you all the videos on solar panels i'm like get fucked <laughs> i don't need all of that <laughs> you know like yeah uh, so sometimes it's hard to not find something new you know like you're you're or, or it's hard to find something new because that the algorithm just pushes you in a direction you're just like this is this is too much <laughs> this is too much warhammer this is too much and then you end up on like the like edgelord warhammer shit and you're like oh 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 this is awful <laughs> dude warhammer anything is always like just three clicks away from 4chan like if you just click on yeah. the wrong thing a couple times you're just on 4chan and you're like oh how the fuck did i get here I was like really nervous about discourse uh, right off the bat because like her analytics and the way that she talks about shit, I was like, oh God, like this could go either way. You know, like I, I, I'm, I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt, but like I've heard people rant like this on, uh, on about Warhammer and it was always like two videos later, they dropped the N word <laughs> <laughs> or, or they, they use the term cuck. They're just like, oh, and, uh, you know, she, she's always stayed above that. Although I would like to see her take that passion that drives her nuts about GW and use that, uh, to like talk about things that she actually likes because like, uh, you know, I think that that is something that is important. If you're going to talk about the bad stuff, you gotta, you gotta bring it back in with some good stuff in there. And, uh, and I'd love, to, I'd love to see that adjustment in her content, but otherwise like I, don't got many complaints i'm pretty proud that she's actually like talking about these things with like a reasonable brain and you know actually analyzing things and has a strong command of the english language i'm like yeah her lexicon is excellent yeah <laughs> i love this yeah she makes great stuff i've always been impressed yeah. right out of the gate i was like yo discourse is on a a rant but it's a good rant and she brings a lot of good like she is fantastic at um, the persuasive part of presenting an argument that's like right yeah. out of the gate. Like she she says something like, wait a minute. And then she's got the evidence that by the end of it, you're like, even if you don't agree, you at least understand her perspective. And it's like, that's oh, so sure. important in persuasion is like ultimately the point of persuasion is to get people to see what you see and, and, you know, side with you. But if the people still don't but understand why you side the way that you do, that's so important. It's, that's it's what she still does super well. Yeah, she's an awesome, awesome well, rancher, and she's, huge fan. And she's not like, and if you don't think the way I'm thinking, you're a fucking idiot. You know, like she's not divisive. Like she turns people off just because like women in the hobby take a lot more heat than they should. And she's t like everybody is real sensitive about their fucking space barbies you know like they they 
this shit is sacred cow to him. And I'm like, man, <laughs> fucking space toys. Like, get over it. Space <laughs> dolls. Toys, man. It's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So you get into a new hobby or you see it. Then what's your next step? Is to just get in? You just go just deep end? <laughs> step deep one, end find is... a new hobby. Step two, deep end? <laughs> deep end, yeah. Um. So, like, I look for the community around it. Like, I'm very much like you. Like, I don't. I don't want to do things in a vacuum anymore. Um, I, I, I think that I have a real tendency to, um, let things like life, you know, go in a way that like, Oh, I fucking missed it, you know? And that's, um, and, and I, I don't want to do that. So like, I want, I want to be able to have a group of people I can do things with. Like I got into knitting really heavy in like 2008, 2009 era. And, um, and I've had, had a lot of fun. Knitting is a great hobby. Uh, it is a almost exclusive solo hobby mm-hmm. because like, you know, you do it while listening to music, you do it while watching TV, you do it while you're sitting down, you know, to unwind for the night. You could do the, like, they call them stitch-ins where you go and you'd sit in, you'd start, you know, needlepoint, you'd do fucking crochet, you know, knitting, whatever it was. And like, I could never bring myself to do them, not because like I have a problem with hanging out with older women, <laughs> but it's because like I like it's not that they wouldn't have accepted me. They were very sweet and you know they were great teaching me how to do it. But like I also want to be able to like talk about the new Cannibal Corpse song. <laughs> you know, like I want to be able to like I want heavy metal knitting of which like I found the book that um you know, uh, Billy Joe Armstrong from uh, Green Day. His wife is like an accomplished knitter and crocheter and made a fucking book on like how to make punk rock fucking knitting cool. And like she was like made a floor mat out of old VHS tapes and shit like that. You know, it's just like a really great idea. And like if I could have found that audience, I could I would have done it. But like I don't want to hear about somebody's grandkids. Like truly, if you're talking to me about your fucking kids, like I could give two shits. Like I hate to be like hard and crass like that. I don't have any love for people that are like under the age of 13. <laughs> They're fucking annoying. They, they offer very little positive to the world. <laughs> They're still parasitic as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I've, I've even said like really hot takes of like, you should be able to board up to like five years old, you know, like, because like, I don't get it. I don't have that in me. I really want to be like a mentor. So I like the idea of like, you have cognitive thought, you're trying to understand the world, you're trying to develop your own things and you can push back like in a way that it's not like, but why? Like, I like that attitude. (laughs) So that's where I'm at. So like, I don't want to hear about your husband or your kids. I want to talk about that new Lars von Trier movie. I want to talk about why this band is good. I want to like, I want to have that conversation, and I just know, you know, that that was not what I was going to get in those circles, unfortunately. Uh, so if I could find like a stitch and bitch, uh, like knitting group where everything was just like, and we're going to talk about 
the new Slayer album tonight. You know, we're going to read the new Stephen King book. You know, like, whatever. Like, if it could be that, I think I would probably have a lot of fun with it. But, like, that hobby, I got super deep into. I have a box, like, behind me here full of yarn that, like, I just collected. And I have a bunch of needles. And so whenever I want to get back into it, I can start doing it again. Because it's a great hobby to, like, refocus. Mm-hmm. Like, um my therapist said it was very similar to EMDR, which is like a, a light pattern that helps you like take things that are like really heavy duty and like process them to a beat. And it kind of breaks the way that your brain processes stuff. So when th- shit's out of control, it gives you control again. It's very similar to that because you can only knit to a certain uh, speed. And so you get into this cadence and this rhythm and you start working things through in your brain and suddenly you're, you're doing your own therapy for you. And it was really good for me. I, it was, that was a hobby that, uh, I would do a lot more if I had more time where I'm not just doing anything, <laughs> you know, like, like I'm kind of doing something all the time right now. So is it important to you when you get into something new to find like-minded individuals inside of the same bubble? yeah i would say so like i i i don't i can't think of a a hobby that i got into besides knitting that was just like i did solely on my own like i never found that group um you know and and i but and i did knitting for a long time like it was just a good um i did it mainly when i quit smoking that was like how i got through that and so i knitted a lot (laughs) i bet there is a discord or a facebook group that's just heavy metal knitters and you guys can just talk about metal albums and knit i bet that's a thing there is i've seen it uh i think big big think you know while they were still doing videos on youtube there was like a heavy metal knitting thing where they were like headbanging and knitting like uh, and it was like it was like those air guitar competitions and it's like who could get farthest while headbanging (laughs) yes (laughs) it's really funny (laughs) dude i think facebook is so okay Uh, i think facebook is probably the best resource for getting into something new which fucking sucks because i I hate facebook but damn are facebook groups an incredibly powerful way to meet people that have the same interests in you that you can learn from share stories with share things along the way like facebook groups are the only reason i'm on facebook i don't care about anything else on facebook and then there is hilarious facebook groups like the um the the car group where everyone acts like boomers that is the greatest (laughs) thing ever ever that's the best group on the internet and it's just it's forty thousand people role-playing boomers talking about cars all day it's incredible but i think that there's definitely something to finding a community when you get into something new, I would say that's probably been a big difference between when I think about some of my older hobbies and some of the ones I've gotten more into recently, um, like photography and Warhammer, even like thinking, you know, over the course of my whole life, Warhammer is, you know, I've only been into it for like three, four years. And um, I got into groups like right away. Cause I was like, how the fuck are you supposed to find anybody that's into this kind of stuff? (laughs) And so I started using Facebook groups to find people and the online communities, while um, they can be incredibly toxic and horrible, also gives you a way to actually meet somebody who approach the hobby the same way as you that think about the hobby the same way as you. Cause I think like getting into something new can be overwhelming because it's like, 
you know, like golf, for example, right? Like there's not a lot of like younger guys who are like really into it. So like golf is an example of something that I've gotten into where I've never felt connected to a community because it's hard to like find somebody who thinks about golf the same way as me, where it's like, let's drive around with a Bluetooth speaker blaring. If we have to skip a hole because the group in front of us is playing slow, let's skip a hole because it's not worth playing a slow round of golf. Like you don't really meet a lot of like younger dudes, uh, like who think like this, you know, sure. like, cause it's just, we're just vastly outpopulated on the golf course. It's a bunch of like 50 year old guys who are hanging out and it's like, you're, it's, you're it's probably the same with my knitting group, man. You know, you're just like, <laughs> like this is they they are on their own shit. Why do I need to come in and disrupt it? You know, yeah, because like, that, that's true. We are we become the agent provocateurs very quickly, especially when you know we want to min max our amount of enjoyment out of something. Like we become the fucking problem, and like truthfully, like they should be looking at it as like these guys are bringing the passion. Like they're doing things in a way that like nobody does and that's fucking exciting but yeah you know, and rarely is it look like that <laughs> it can be hard like when you get into something new it can be hard because the a lot i would say a lot of things that you get into there's a lot of people who are into it also it's just trying to figure them out sure. but then inside of that it's finding like your little circle that is like so important to like actually getting past the surface level of getting into something right where it's like i like to do photography for example you know how many other photographers there are millions millions yeah. and millions of us but you know that population gets a lot smaller when it's all of a sudden like you know denver street photography group which i left right. on facebook that was one of those toxic horrible dumb groups on facebook i was like this group sucks uh, the denver street photography group sucks on facebook which is a bummer because that's exactly what i like to do i like to walk around denver and do street photography and it's like sure. that that group i did not connect with so i feel a little bit distance from that smaller bucket of potential friendships and people I can meet who are like-minded because I just don't like that group. And so sure. it's, you know, I think there's two sides to it, right? Like Facebook groups are um, an amazing asset and a great way to find people to help you power through the initial surface level of getting into something new. But it's also, you're exposed to a lot of this bullshit that can happen on Facebook and just being on Absolutely. the internet in general. And so it's like, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt and it is what it is. But like, yeah. And I think that's something that weirdly enough, I think Warhammer has been an incredible hobby because it's insane how many people have shared experiences. The amount of people that I can just say, like if I was like, Hey, um, have you had some weird like mental health problems and do you listen to heavy metal and do you paint Warhammer? The amount of people that would raise their hand in any given room of Warhammer is insane that you have so much in common with so many people that it's like, that was the weirdest thing for me learning about Warhammer. And what really helped me get deep into it is I was like, you know, I have so much in common with these people more so than I've ever had in common with any other hobby I've ever been a part of. And like, that is so inviting and so nice to have that in the hobby and like that, that having a lot in common with a community that also shares one united reason to even be there in the first place is such a great way to like power through getting into something. Cause I think it's easy, yeah. maybe not for everybody, but I think for you and me, I think we're a lot of like that it's easy to start something, but it's all about like, you know, sure. We'll jump to the deep end right away. Cause that's just how we are. But then what's yeah. next? Like, do we swim yeah. or do we just sink while we're in there? And I think a yeah. lot of what I've learned over the years is if I can find somebody more really similarly brained that I can really connect with, 
then I'm I'm much more satisfied. Yeah, your chances of sticking in the hobby or the hobby sticking are, are much higher, which is the same. Like So like step one, find your new interest. Step two, do some research. Step three, find a fucking community to get into and start finding like-minded people. Um, one, I think that that phase is one that um, drives... It, it's easily, I think, the most important part before you actually spend money on something. Or if you're like us and you just fucking spend money. Like I got, I've got a, a rule of spending money when it comes to hobbies and how you should look at it. Um, but like when you find a community who's there, who's answering your questions and helping you like be really fucking thankful of anybody who reaches out and actually listen to them. Like one of my biggest pet peeves, especially when it comes to like painting is when people start like <clears throat> asking about shit that they have no, like, I heard one dickhead on something say that you should only paint with these brushes and I can't afford these brushes. Like, you know, and they like get into the weeds and they're trying to talk themselves out of doing the hobby. And I'm just like, do it or don't. I don't give a fuck. Like, but like, here's what people who actually do this, like actually do and listen to us because mm -hmm. like, we'll save you a lot of heartache. And like, you know, I just watched somebody come through the, the brush coven who I think spent more money trying to get Games Workshop paints to work because she had heard that, you know, you need to put things in dropper bottles to make it work. You know, so she was like doing all this stuff before ever painting a single model. And I was just like, why are you doing this to yourself? Like just fucking paint. I think some like, people yeah. like just struggle with uh, just starting something. I think that they have like a romance idea of what being in a hobby looks like and they struggle with taking the first step. I think you're probably right. And you know, like the, the interesting thing is like, like I, I you know, I, I had, it, it started actually like really affecting my mental health because like, I was like becoming mad <laughs> and like, you should never be mad at new people starting. Sure. Like, you know, like, that don't be that fucking cranky old dick. But like, I, I do want to like instantly like, like start being snarky. Like it's part of my sense of humor. And it's like, if you're not going to listen to me, you're going to start getting like the shitty part of me. <laughs> and, um, and because it, it entertains me. And if you're not, your skin isn't thick enough to stick around, then you know, like maybe you shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of other groups. And, and luckily I think um, she found a group that was more her, her speed. And um, I think she more wanted to do like terrain stuff, which I totally get. Like that's a whole nother ball game of like sculpting and it's, it's fun. It's great. Like there's awesome groups into it. You can focus into it. But like, if you're asking about painting a space Marine and people who've painted hundreds of space Marines are telling you, this is how you paint a space Marine and you don't want to listen to them. Like I have very little patience for people who do that. Like I just, I can't, I don't have the time and I really just like start losing my shit instantly. So like, like figure out where you belong and where, what you want early on because half of what you're like going through and what your expectation is like in the same way, like your first therapist may not be the best therapist for you. Your first group that you might, might walk in might not be the best group for you, but like, don't ever look at the people who've been doing it for fucking 20 years and tell them that they're doing it wrong just because they're, you're doing it not the way that they, you know, that you want to like, you just probably need to find another group because you just make everybody seem 
like dicks and like truly that isn't the intention most of the time <laughs> and yeah. so like I've, I've seen that happen multiple times and it always just really bums me out because you're just like you know we're trying to help you <laughs> we're, we're trying to maximize your fun and you're just not even being you're not even listening to it or being a part of it you know <laughs> like uh, like the, the do do it first before you've decided whether or not you don't want to do it and mm-hmm. um you know and i know i have that same sort of thing that's why like as i'm looking at this like new concertina that's in this kind of obscure uh obscure setup like i, I could learn the standard way but truthfully like I don't like Irish jigs and that's kind of what the other ones are built for. And that's like, it's not that they're bad. It's just like, that it's boring. I want something that's kind of like a tiny accordion. Mm-hmm. That's, that's truly what it is, which means uh, like, that's the world I got to live in. Um, and so like, I, uh, I, I am having fun researching it, but I'm also knowing that like, I, if I ask too much and push too hard, I will start to piss off this group because they all really love Irish jigs and folk music. And I'm like, how do I turn this into metal? <laughs> how do I turn this into something heavy? How do I turn this punk? Like what, how do I get there? And they're, they're all about the fundamentals. So, you know, know, know your audience. I yeah. Guess is that's what huge. I, really, I should say, because like, yeah, you just turn people off instantly and then you're like, those guys were dicks and really you were the fucking asshole. And yeah. I know that I can be the asshole. So I really have to watch that one. Yeah. Being able to read the room when you're new to the room or new to something is huge, <laughs> dude. It's something that I think is hilarious to watch it go the wrong way on the internet. Um, oh it goes south so it fast. It goes so <laughs> bad, so fast. And then people get so mad and it's like, well, one of two things just happened. You either just didn't read the group rules when you sent a request or you just, yeah. for some reason, don't know about the search feature inside of groups where guess what? This question has been asked literally every day and it's been yeah, answered. Yeah. <laughs> it's been answered so many times that when you post about it, it's just a meme. And so it's like, you know, I think, I think a lot of the time you have to be, you have to approach something new kind of like, you know, I think it is fair to, ask questions but i think you need to do your due diligence first and be like hey google is your friend google is (laughs) your friend so is this the search feature the search feature inside of groups is the most unknown and underrated tool on getting to know something like absolutely like you know if you're into 3d printing for example right you join the saturn 3d printing group because you have an elegant saturn printer and then you realize you know weak five you spilled some resin or your fep punctured well or are you you what's the best settings for my printer to not have failures and they're all just like get fucked perfect example (laughs) is settings all you do is you just join this group and you just search for the word settings and you know what you're going to find people who say here's my settings and a picture of a print that came out really good feel free to use these and guess what you just did you learned you didn't look like an idiot and you didn't piss off people who are sick of the same question all the time and i think that you kind of have to accept that as a new person it's whatever you are like i don't know this somebody else didn't know it before you and has probably already asked. And if somebody's pissed off that they have to answer it a second time because you didn't just search for it, that's, I think that's fair to be pissed off about, to be honest. But um, sure. yeah, I think being able to read a room and approach it like from a place of wanting to learn and, but to also be proactive in your research is so huge to just not getting completely trolled out of the internet. Yeah. I, I think that like, I, I know like we're, 
right now with the concertina thing, they're like, I really need a duet concertina, which has bass on the left hand, treble on the right. Fucking, it's it's an accordion. That's that's what we're talking about here. Um, it's it's basically a piano key because that's what I understand. It's basically a guitar neck because that's what I understand. Like anything that's set up outside of that, I don't get. And um and there's like three different types of them, of which the one I like is the one that was developed in like the eighties and it was developed, I believe, by an American. So leave it to me to be like, I need the the one thing that nobody builds because like nobody builds these things anymore anyways. Like it's like shitty, like Chinese built stuff happens all the time. And so like I'm I and trying to find any information that is conclusive on the internet about them is really hard because like the people who play concertinas aren't young. So like when they were doing internet stuff, it was all like forums and like early like angel fire web pages of which like half that shit is unsearchable now. So like I had to be like, when I first asked, it's like, what is the difference between these things? And like, am I doing it wrong? And a bunch of people are like, no, you're, uh, you're right. And like, that was nice to have that confirmation bias there. But it also meant that like, they're like, well, if you decide to go other way, I have things to sell. And as much as I like love like vintage instruments, you know what comes along with vintage instruments? Problems. <laughs> so like, I think being able to like, do your research, use your information uh, to like, when you do find like the direction that you want to go, like be able to like make that decision and stick with it because you, you actually have done enough things like take, take those, like that initial gut reaction and be like, okay, this is actually probably the best way to go because of these things. And, and don't look back because like, it always drives me nuts. It was it pissed me off so much when you'd work with people at guitar center and like one day they'd buy a Schecter seven string because you know, this looks like what the guy from Avenged Sevenfold plays. And then the next day they would like trade that in for something else. And there was this and that like fucking take a breath, make a decision, move in it and, and then immerse yourself in that. Like that, like that is a real key part of getting into something because, um, you'll drive everybody nuts. Like if you got money to just throw at stuff and just be like, Oh yeah, no, it's fine. I'll do this and I'll do that. Like literally everybody in the room fucking hates you <laughs> one because they are jealous that they can't spend money like you do, but also like, you just are you that that dilettante sort of thing. You're not respecting any of what's there. And like I get it. Like I want to break every rule, but like I understand that there's certain aspects of like learning an instrument that you just kind of have to learn the instrument as the instrument, and then learn how to break it. You you instantly starting off breaking it is um, generally just like turns into like nonsense and nobody wants to be a part of that and and it's the same with painting it's the same with you know fucking skiing you know nobody is gonna say start doing tricks right off the bat if you're not doing like fucking you know hot dogs and pizza hot dog pizza hot dog pizza if you haven't learned how to go down the hill and then you're like trying to go down the park like everybody's gonna fucking hate your guts <laughs> you know like don't be that person 
listen to people, do your due diligence, not saying you have to master it before moving on to the thing that you want, but understand the, uh, the, the world that you're getting into, because that is how you're going to interact with everybody else around you. And Mm -hmm. if you're instantly like telling everybody that they're fucking wrong because they're not doing it the way that you want to truthfully, you're the asshole and that's, and not them. And that's something that I think is really key. I agree. I think it's it's about understanding the lane that you exist in and knowing when it's time to change lanes. You know what I mean? Like understanding like yeah. this is this is how I enter the hobby. This is where I live. This is what I'm learning. And then uh, I mean, I think just being fluid in your plan, too. Like when you get into something, sure. you might not get into it for what you think you got into it for. Like that'll change over time. Like I got into Warhammer to play Warhammer and I just love painting now. And I play Warhammer, yeah. but I would definitely say I prefer painting over playing. And that was not at all what I set out to do when I got into it. Like <laughs> not at all. Right. And so right. it's, I don't know. It's, I think you just have to approach with an open mind, take, take advice from people who have been in it. But I think you just get so much value out of being in a community. I think that's like the biggest yeah. thing is like find a community like right away, even before yeah. you get into it. I mean, that's a good point. You said that earlier about, getting into a community and asking about, Hey, what's the best way to get into this? What would you recommend? I'm thinking about buying this. Should I buy this instead? Like those people know they'll tell you exactly why or why not to buy something. Yeah. Yeah. And listen to that shit because like it's church. They're, they're giving you straight up religion right there. And it's like, you're denying something that could save you so much time and hassle in the yeah. future. Just fucking listen to him. If somebody would have told me he, you know, really what you should do is spend, you know, $80 on mini paints, you know, instead of like piecemealing it out at the beginning to get the set that you actually want. And then, you know, you can add to it as like new things come out. I think I would have had a very different start mini painting, but I was like, I need these starter sets because I get the best value out of it when truthfully, like, I didn't actually really resonate with how those paints worked, you know? Um, and you know, people talk shit on like army painter paints, but like, I actually really loved army painter paints. Like I really got into them and I liked how they worked. And then I found pro Krill, which was like being able to do the stuff with army painter only in one pass. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I found like my perfect paint and that is like really key. And, uh, you know, if I, I've, I could have saved myself a bunch of steps instead of like, I bought like the Reaper skin tone set and the Reaper starter set and the, you know, like, and then the, you know, Citadel paints. And then, you know, if I, if I would have actually just like get the army painter, like big box, just like be fine. I could have done that like right off the bat for like 80 bucks <laughs> and changed, changed my fucking path instantly. And then by the next time I could have like invested in, you know, but then I, like I doubled down on army painter and I got the full set and I should have not done that because I, the added benefit, I think I only used like two extra paints on that whole set. I should have just bought those two extra paints and walked away. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I, I should have found my next thing at that point. And I, I was just like kind of too indoctrinated into the brand to, to do it and, uh, and too intimidated to spend money on something that was, you know, sight unseen. Nobody had monument hobby stuff. Now it's like ubiquitous with the, the you know, if you're on a Facebook group and you aren't you and you ask what's the paint, there's always, you know, two of us that are like pro Krill's the best paint. Pro Krill. Can use it. Yeah. yeah. Just do it. Just get it now. Spend the money. You'll, you'll thank us later. 
<laughs> I think it's really interesting. The more you get into something, you'll reach a level, even, even after you're new, I don't think it takes long. It takes experience, but you'll be able to identify your like case for use and personal preferences. I would say faster than you would expect has been my experience. Sure. And like, um, I was just at a camera store yesterday talking to a guy about, you know, my photography style and if I should switch from Canon to Sony, um, because I am struggling with some low light shooting. Um, I don't have the most high end Canon cameras, um, very middle tier that I'm really pushing to the limits in some of the environments that I shoot in. And I'm finally starting sure. to see the limits of my equipment. And so I was having that discussion yesterday, right? Where YouTube would tell me without a doubt, I need to be a Sony shooter because I shoot primarily low light. Right. And, yeah. um, I'm in a camera store yesterday and I'm talking to a guy who switched from Canon to Sony, the camera salesman there who I've worked with before. And he's like, yeah, I switched to Sony last summer. Um, I was primarily Canon and Nikon before Nikon primarily for the last like five, six years, but I have experience and pretty sure. comfortable with Canon. He's like, I switched to Sony. It took me nine months to feel proficient with their products. And I don't think it was an upgrade. He's like, I think it was just a straight side grade. And I mean, to get into the, <laughs> to get into the real weeds about camera selection, you know, Sony brings some stuff to the table that Canon doesn't Canon brings some stuff to the table sure. that Sony doesn't, but it's interesting because I think figuring out and being able to have a discussion about my preferences and what I do like about Canon um, and have a conversation with somebody who's like, hey, I did switch to Sony and here's some things to think about where if, if I went on YouTube and just said best low light camera, nine out of 10 YouTube people would tell me just be a Sony shooter where yeah. I just go have a conversation with somebody who has some experience. I'm able to then explain my preferences and then it's almost reinforced that I actually shouldn't switch to Sony. I should stay on the Canon right. train and that actually just upgrading my camera body inside of the Canon line would actually solve most of my problems. And then I wouldn't be stuck with having two different brand cameras with non-compatible lens systems and all these other problems, which is right. something that you have to kind of just make a decision on either way, which is to be honest, one thing the Sony does better than Canon, but that's a different conversation. All it sure. does is ex it like, I'm not the most experienced photographer in the world. Like I know what I'm doing. I'm capable of shooting. I, I know my way around a camera. I know my way around editing software. I'm not like wildly experienced, but I'm now to the point of shooting where I'm starting to see limitations of my equipment and I'm starting to learn my own preferences. And like, you kind of start to hit this point faster than you think where you, you kind of are in that zone. And I think that a lot of that has to do with, you know, I've been exposed to a lot of communities. I've learned a lot and it's really helped me understand like how I use my tools the best for me. And I, I think that's just from learning from other people and being exposed to it has helped me so much. Which is actually a great segue into my next point about getting into things. And this is the budget of getting into things. Take whatever money that you thought that you were going to spend and double it. Dude, that's Take so true. Take that money and fucking double it. Maybe even triple it. <laughs> if you're planning on spending only $20, plan on spending 50. <laughs> <laughs> like like or 100, like yeah. To get into any hobby less than $100 is like almost impossible. So just know that whenever you're getting into something, like take your price and double it. Like I mm -hmm. instantly was like, Oh, I want to spend like $400 on a concertina. And I, the cheapest version of the one that I want is like $460. I was like, okay, but it's missing like two extremely important notes on the bass and treble side that keeps me from like 
playing music in the key that I actually write most of my music that's like most suited for my like voice. And so like I'm like, I'm sitting there, I was like, so I'd spend four hundred and seventy dollars on the thing that like I could learn some folk songs and learn some things, but like when it came to actually me like working in my zone, I couldn't even do the music that I want. It's like, how does that make any sense? So then the next step up from there, and I shit you not, the next step up is uh is nine hundred and fifty dollars. It's like double. And I was like, Oh, I should have fucking known. Take the what you were gonna say and double it. And like whenever I worked at Guitar Center and people were like, I really want this. And I'm like, I know you really want that and I can ch- get you close to it. But I was like, if this is what you really want, take that like, you know, thirteen hundred dollars you're gonna spend and put twenty six hundred dollars into it and you'll be exactly where you're at. And the and everybody be like, Yeah, but I don't want to spend that much. And I was like, Yeah, but like you're gonna spend that much in a year anyway. So like instead of you know spending you know either you sell your gear which you can do you can sell cameras you can sell instruments you can sell all that stuff you're not selling your used brushes you're not selling your used paints basically like like that shit is consumable and most people won't pay you money for them so like just get the good stuff first (laughs) understand like that there is a sunk cost of getting into a hobby and like and 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 live with it and then when somebody who's been in here and is saying hey this is what you want and you're not going to be happy until you get that fucking listen to them (laughs) you know because like if they say oh you don't need that truthfully there's nothing special about this like that's great info that's great intel that only people who've been in it will give you but you know sometimes there's truly only one path to happiness and that's throwing down some coin and so like mm-hmm. be, be ready to do it and don't don't complain about it like just be fortunate that you're in that zone <laughs> that you can afford to do it and if you can't afford to do it find the next closest thing there's always uh, uh something within within arm's reach that'll get you in across the finish line you know especially at beginners like starting you know once you've been doing it for years you know all bets are off but like to start you don't fucking know the difference like and i tell people that all the time like oh you want to spend you know twenty six hundred dollars on that new synthesizer to play live that uh you know or to record on an album or whatever like yeah it's really fucking cool and if you know how to use that thing and be into it yeah you've got a great instrument but if you're new and you're spending money you're spending like like moog released this huge like polysynth it was their first real polysynth it was uh uh it was eight thousand dollars for the the high-end one and people were buying it who couldn't even fucking play it like just flat out they're like i just have money to do it (laughs) you know like uh and then like they're selling them at like huge losses because like they are huge and they're taking up their thing like that's not beginner gear that's fucking pro gear like you know stay away from it like there is virtual sense for that like you can spend a hundred dollars on a fucking soft synth package (laughs) and that like have something very similar um you know like don't don't get go that deep into it like right off the bat because chances are it's going to be way way outside your norm just understand what you want out of it understand that you're gonna have to pay more getting into it but like don't don't look at the pro gear stuff and be like oh i don't have a five thousand dollar mandolin so i can't learn mandolin like no you can learn mandolin on like a two hundred dollar mandolin 
pretty well. <laughs> like you can learn it. Like, is it going to sound the best? Probably not, but you, you don't know the difference. You, yeah. you can't hear the difference yet. Like, and if, even if you could, if you recorded it, nobody on an album is going to be able to tell the difference. You know, like we all listen to like, you know, music out of earbuds. Nobody knows what good music sounds like anymore. So it's just, like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. It's fine. Like, like it's, it's totally fine. Don't worry about it. It's if it makes noise and it does what you want to do, buy it. <laughs> yeah, I, there's so many hidden costs into getting into something. I mean, Warhammer is a hilarious small example oh of it, God. where it's like you're dude, like, holy shit, dude. If you want to buy this, you want to get in Warhammer. Here's a starter set. You know what's not in there? Spruce nips. You know what else isn't in there? Glue. You know what else isn't in there? Paints. You know what else isn't in there? Brushes. You know what else isn't in there? A primer. Like. Dice, yeah, rulers, dude. The, the fucking amount of book. Print, yeah, the fact that you have to have twenty-two books to play a game anymore. None yeah. of that's in there. Well, and then, like, when you do get a, a set, like, it only comes with one of the guns, and you need five of them. So it's just like, uh, and, and uh, you know, if you play by the what you see is what you get, the WYSIWYG, like, that's a real frustrating thing if you got a lot of gun mm -hmm. options, you know. And and where I'm very much like, it doesn't matter. They're just toys. You could play with quarters on the table. Just tell me what they are, and they'd be fucking fine for me. <laughs> like yeah. you're not breaking my immersion because you don't you have a bolter and not a flamer. Because I don't know the difference. My eyesight isn't good enough to tell the fucking difference. Yeah. So just tell me what it is and be honorable about it, and everybody's fine with it. Huge, huge news. Huge. <laughs> closing closing thoughts on getting into something new. Uh, yeah. Once you've made your decision and you've spent your money, like you're going to have, like, remember when I, I talk about the Dunning Kruger effect where you're like, Oh, I'm getting good. Like know that there's going to be a bad time coming. <laughs> like, like we all have fun right off the bat, but like you have to understand that just because you're having fun doesn't mean that you're good yet. And it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of effort all hobbies do and that's part of it so like get in there do the work plow through the hard parts and relish that those mini victories where it's great take breaks when you hit that create a block instead of like forcing yourself these are all topics that we've talked about over the last episodes like give yourself the space to enjoy it like I've had the concertina for a week where I played it every single day for like a half hour every day of which I wasn't getting any better, even though mentally I understood it better. And I took like, you know, the first like four days off this week and I played it yesterday for the first time. I was like way better than I had done at all. <laughs> like all that stuff of stewing in it and thinking about it actually paid off later on. So like, don't force it. Just enjoy it lean into it it's mm -hmm. a hobby it's all these things should be something's fun nobody's putting a gun to your head you're, you're you know you're not actually going to ha you're never going to hit the dreams that you want by making your new hobby a miserable experience so be open to the community listen to people join it in the way that it makes sense to to you and if you don't instantly fit that community find another one it's fine there's tons of them out there uh but don't don't square pay ground hole yourself and then be mad because you didn't have a good time like just you, you got to go with the flow you got to get into it you got to learn something you're gonna have to spend some money 
going to have to spend some time and you're going to have to be open to not being as good as you want. The, the, you have to put the time in. And once you do, you're going to be better off for it. You'll be so much more happy with what you're doing. It'll be, it'll be a great time, but it, t- it takes time. The, mm-hmm. Just that you, you have to take time with it. Yep. Agreed. 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 <laughs> yeah, I think I think I would just say um, find a community and make one friend because most hobbies are better with with a friend, and that's like if, oh, absolutely. If, like if you could just find one person to chat with about your hobby, that's going to make a world of difference when you're new to it and getting into it and building that relationship. And you know, some of my best friends are people that I've just made through random hobbies and random things I've been interested in, and it's like you know. When you get older, it gets weird to make friends because it's not like you're thrown in a room with people like you are in school and you find a couple people wearing the same shirt and you're like, we might have something in common. Like when you get older, you're just never near people. And well, you are, but it's like, you know, a bunch of people in a, in a big room and you don't know any of them. And it's just like, you know, a hobby is a great way to make friends and, and build relationships. And, but finding that community, I think is probably step, step one, if not step zero of getting into something new. Yeah, if if there isn't a community, you're you're gonna find it to be much more difficult. And like, it, I've seen communities go south. Like the chiptune community, fucking like cannibalized itself. Like it 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 woked itself into the dust. And I'm not a person who has a problem with PC content and being fucking woke. And like, I think that that's very, extremely important uh, as a modern society to change with the times and understand that, you know, people's uh, uh, tolerance for bullshit is going to change. But like, I watched a community, a really good community full of really, really sweet and nice people fucking eat devour each other and to the point where like their main like community like they just like uh the dude who ran it just like shut it down he's like fuck this like this is not what i started i started something that was good and then you know i got people in who were trans i got people in who were uh of you know color of minority uh from different countries writing about this stuff and like he did all this really great shit and the community still fucking went against him because like a lot of like the chip community is trans and of like a gender fluid uh thing and they were like we don't want to be ran by a guy and he's like well like this is what i started this this is mine (laughs) you know like 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 and i you we have more people of minority uh you know like uh, lifestyles and uh, alternative lifestyles here than we do of like cisgendered white people you know like that's like you guys got it like i've given you a platform it's awesome i love you guys and they wanted more and they went after him and he like shut the fucker down he was like fuck this (laughs) like this is not what i wanted and like and and i and i and i totally get it because like it wasn't fair like he was like a total sweetheart and you know was like their their champion and uh and yeah so like you sometimes your communities might disappear don't let that stop you from having fun with it though like i i i was not doing chiptune anymore but i'm still doing like it got me into doing electronic music Mm -hmm. so i still talk to some of those people and because we all got kind of out of chiptune right before it all fell apart because like it was becoming kind of a meme on itself it was already a meme (laughs) uh you know and so like it, it once it started like turning on itself 
Like we were just like, yeah, and, but like we don't do like stupid video game music. We do some so something totally different. And we had a great time, you know, like still being friends, still talk to these people, uh, even though our community is gone. Uh, and that that was a really hard thing to watch because you know you're just like. There were so many people that didn't have a home before that did that now don't again <laughs> and nobody's filled the hole like that was the thing like you you would think that like all this stuff like uh oh yeah well now you have like complete and total freedom to do it nobody did like they it, they just tore down the house and nobody rebuilt it and so like that whole community is in the wind and that sucks that like mm -hmm. and that happens like that that could fucking happen to trapped under plastic tomorrow Mm -hmm. Like, so all of us, like Warhammer, you know, mini painter fans who love eating chicken tendies and making jokes, that could fucking go south and it could be gone tomorrow. So you have to, like, relish the time that you do, make the friends that you can, and then keep the community going on your own. If, if the community is the only reason you're there, maybe, maybe look at the reasons why you're doing it. You have to have some passion about it, too. Like, otherwise, yeah. like, otherwise you're just a fucking tourist in somebody else's you know hobby true that yeah Woo! yeah so like do your research find your community buy the shit spend more than what you're expecting double your budget and be like generally nice and then help the next person behind you and then help the net then tell them to help the next person behind them because at that point you'll be tired of helping new people like it has to, the the community has to propagate itself, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. and then you know let, that's it. You'll have a great time. Like all, most hobby spaces are pretty great, <laughs> generally speaking. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Nice man. Well, Wee! what are you thankful for this week? What is going cool? <laughs> so, uh, like, not to like downer it, but like Mark Lanigan died. Mm -hmm. uh, that sucks. Uh, I highly recommend uh, if you haven't listened to Mark Lanigan, uh, I, re I recommend two two albums of his um, to to check out. I really love uh, Blues Funeral. I think it came out in like 2011, 2012. Uh, that there is a song on there called St. Louis Elegy that is like one of the best songs ever written, and not just because it's about like. The town that I live in, um, it is just like a great song. And then check out the album Bubblegum, which came out 2003, 2004. It was while I was working at a record store. It's done with all like the Queens of the Stone Age guys. So it's like basically a Queens of the Stone Age album, mm -hmm. just like done Mark Lanigan style. And, like PJ Harvey's on it. It's just like, it's fucking great great album and anybody i've shown bubblegum to they're just like who is this this is so good i'm like i know it's so good like it sucks that we don't have him anymore on the planet but also he left us a lot of really good music to listen to mark lanigan bubblegum blues funeral perfect albums great time nice what about you um my buddy just started a resin base company and it is awesome so i am in the middle i tallied up my custodies collection um and it's huge but it's custodies so it's like 
it's not that many models, but it still is a lot. It's like it's like about sure. 100, 150 models across the whole thing. But it's it's a ten. I have a ten thousand point army of custodies. Which once I figure out I have ten thousand points of custodies, I feel like I have to do it because they're the ten thousand. Like that's their chapter lore. Is there's only ten thousand custodies? So I was like, wait, right. I have ten thousand points. I have to do a full army now. I have to. There's no other way around it. Perfect. Yeah, so you get your 13 models on the the, the table it's yeah, fine it's, yeah. it's a great army to like speed through i dig it yeah so um previously in my custodies collection i have done wildly over the top basing like buying terrain sets cutting out chunks of it like building stairs like the craziest shit ever and i tallied sure. it up and i'm like dude i would have to do that 150 times and i'm not gonna Oof. do that so um i was like you know i want a nice looking bases across the army i'm familiar with resin bases i've personally got myself a 3d printer i can print them um, but he started this company and his bases are fantastic so um i just put in a huge order from him but his company's called lords and lances he's got a shop on etsy lords and lances yeah excellent but they're really cool bases. So I actually just picked up the order yesterday, which is going to help me really get my army done. I have a tournament in like two weeks. Um, so that's going to help me basically not have to worry about basing. I just have to worry about painting it and I can hammer out bases. So like not having to think about building or making custom ones, running my own printer. Cause you know, right now I haven't even ran it in like a week or two weeks cause I've been gone, sure. but my printer basically just runs. I just print stuff for other people at this point. Um, so it's nice to just be able to just, have him just you know make a bunch of resin bases for me and they're sweet so i love his designs and uh it was awesome nice to support yeah. a friend's business and and get a good product in return so very thankful for that Lord it's going to save me a ton of time a ton dude, of dude that's awesome well and bases are like i love doing bases because like it is so easy to paint a base no like, yeah they take almost no effort like you just have to like get paint on them in the direct like in an area that kind of looks like the stuff that it is you don't even have to be like careful with it because mm -hmm. like you hit it with a wash or something you grime it up you make it because your model should be the main focus this thing suddenly that sh falls into the background makes your like model painting better like that's the shit man i love i love getting into a project like that that is just like benefits from you having fun with it yeah yeah so that's it that's Dude, what i'm stoked about right awesome. now awesome i love it i love it well thank you very much everybody uh we, we did it we, this is not a cursed episode <laughs> non-cursed <laughs> non-cursed still early but you know you know doable like we got the mm -hmm. rest of the day left it's yeah a beautiful friday yeah let's let's go out there and enjoy it yeah absolutely man <laughs> well it's been real Everybody, like, follow, subscribe, tell your friends, do something wholesome. Yes. And find something, something wholesome. find something new to do. Get into yeah. something new. It's good try, for try you. Try something new. Yeah. Have fun with it. Meet meet a new person. Like the echo chamber gets a little it gets a little claustrophobic sometimes. Find mm -hmm. find a new one. Yeah. Go go hang out with some new people. It's good. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, buddy.